Hi, I'm Hallie, and I want to welcome you to the Odd Life Podcast. That's spelled A-W-E-D, which stands for Awake, Well, and Empowered. In this space, you will hear inspirational stories, candid and heartfelt conversations, as well as advice from experts, all with the intention of helping women like you live odd AF. Because I believe the more of us that live awake, well, and empowered, the better this world will be. So thank you for being here and welcome to your odd life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's Hallie, your host. Thanks for being here. I am back at it just solo today with you all. We're probably gonna have just solo episodes until the end of the year. It's hard to get people to say yes, especially the ones that are the most busy because they need about four to six months in advance. They've already got a book calendar. Um, you're a new podcast. Sometimes it's hard to get the yes. So we're going to keep trying. Uh, I can get more yeses, the more popular this podcast gets, obviously. So we're going to hope that uh, as we keep rolling and we get more reviews and people talk about the podcast, we're going to get some some traction and we're going to get people saying yes. But until then, we're going to go with what we can do. And I still think these are great episodes, these solo episodes. Uh, it tends to be more introspective and things that I share with you all and I hope that you guys enjoy them. Today is going to be somewhat lighthearted. I'm actually going to talk about my favorite books and TV shows of this past year. I know you can go online or go talk to your friends and get the latest shows. I want to share these because they do fall within the awake, well, and empowered, the odd life realm. So I'm going to share what they are, why I love them, and how they fit into this odd life little community and how maybe reading them or watching them will help you feel more awake, well, and empowered. Okay, so let's start with books. I'm going to start with my nonfiction books. And some of these you may recognize from earlier episodes, but these are the ones that I read this year that I think can make a great impact on you plus help you down that odd life path. So the first one is Breaking the Age Code by Dr. Becca Levy. And I really love this book because she does a lot of research and there's a lot of scientific studies that she does note in this book. However, there's some great examples of situations where people have believed a story that is not true, that has made them feel older than they really are. And it's fascinating, this book, in the way that it talks about how much society and culture tells us how we should behave and how we should act at a certain age. And then when we believe those things, our body then follows. It's fascinating stuff. There's a story in here about a woman and her mother have gone to the store. Her mother's youthful acting. She's, I think, maybe in her, I want to say she was in her 70s, maybe upper 70s even. And they're walking through the store and uh, she happens to brush up against something that's on the floor of the grocery store, like a, like a display case. And something happens with this display case. Either she gets cut by it or she falls. Something happens. I think she falls. And so she's injured. And this whole time after she's injured, people keep telling her, oh, she needs to take it easy. Oh my gosh, because of her age, she shouldn't be doing these things. She should be more careful about how falling is much easier at her age. Be careful. And the next thing you know, her mother starts behaving differently and her body becomes more feeble because she has started to believe what people are telling her about her age. 
about how feeble she should be at this age. And prior to this incident, she was a moving and grooving, gardening, doing all these things, daily walks, that kind of stuff. Fascinating stuff. And so it's helped me reframe how I see myself. Uh, I even have a mantra. This is going to sound so hokey and weird, but I have a mantra. If I'm starting to feel that way, like something's achy, what's going on, man, I'm getting older. If I catch myself saying that, this is what I tell myself. If I'm going for a walk or I'm doing an activity that I'm maybe struggling with a little bit, I will say, I am youthful and vibrant, strong, healthy, and fit, full of energy and vitality. And repeat that over and over and over again. I am youthful and vibrant, strong, healthy, and fit, full of energy and vitality. I came up with that because those are all the things I want to feel. And so if I'm maybe even getting up from a chair, I've been sitting down for a while, I catch myself going, oh, achy. Instead, if I catch myself doing that, I bounce up and just walk. Like, just don't take it easy. Just get moving. And before I know it, that achy that I felt at first is gone. I need to stop believing the stories I'm telling myself that are negative and start telling myself stories about how active and healthy and vibrant and youthful I am. It's amazing what that does. She, she even gets into some of the stuff about our culture and society, about how we shun our elderly. And uh, many other cultures, Eastern cultures, they revere their elders. They keep them in the family. They value their opinion. They value their wisdom and knowledge. And they keep them in mainstream society. And they are very youthful in their older years. I think it's in Japan. There are areas where you'll see 89-year-olds out doing physical fitness in, in parks, things like that. It is not unusual. And what she does say, too, this is something else that really got me thinking, is that a lot of people in those cultures sit on the floor a lot. They don't use chairs or sit elevated. They sit on the floor. And that requires you to get up and down off the floor consistently. And I got to thinking about, okay, for a long time, I have wanted to have our bedroom on the first floor. We have right now have all of the bedrooms on the second floor. I wanted to come out of my bedroom, go get coffee. And then I realized maybe these stairs are really good for me. Maybe I don't want to stop having my bedroom on the second floor because then it requires me to go up and down and stay physically fit. If I put myself on the first floor, if we had our bedroom on the first floor, would I be taking away some of that activity? So it got me thinking. And now I catch myself. If I try and sit in a chair with my shoes on, I stop, I get down low, I crouch down, like in a squat position, and put my shoes on. I want to keep myself squatting as much as possible. So something to think about. I really think it's a good book to read to help reframe how you see aging, and how you approach those that are older in your life. I know I want it to be different when I get older, that's for sure. It's a really good book. Again, Breaking the Age Code by Becca Levy. B-E-C-C-A-L-E-V-Y. And like I said earlier, there's a lot of research and studies that she references, but I think it's really helpful to know where she's getting this information. 
Next, Anatomy of the Spirit by Carolyn Mace. I have referenced this book uh, in an earlier podcast as well. She talks a lot about power centers the body. Some people call it chakras. Different religions call it different things. And what I love about it is that she helps you understand maybe some things that are going on with your emotional health and the stresses in life, how they're affecting your physical health and how to work on those. For example, if you struggle with liver issues a lot, uh, maybe you have a lot of anger issues. And liver does a lot of detoxification, helps with metabolism. So it's all related. And I think that's fascinating. I think it's a really good read. I think it's really helpful to understand that our physical health is not just related to what we put in our body. It's how we think, we take in the world, how we process emotion. There's a lot here. Again, Carolyn Mace, it's M-Y-S-S, but she pronounces it Mace. Uh, Really helpful book. And the reason I got into this book is because I was wondering about if there's things I wasn't processing correctly. What residual effect was that having on my body? And I did a little research online, and there's a lot of, if there's unprocessed emotions, the physical ailments that come out of that, I wondered if I was going to be causing my own disease down the road, cancer, whatnot. And it's fascinating information, and I'm really glad I picked this book up. I'm probably going to read this again next year just so I can stay on top of it and not let this information go. I think it's really, really good. And then my next one is The Wisdom of Your Body by Hilary McBride. She is a PhD. Uh, This one, clearly I have it marked up. I actually shared this book not too long ago in the podcast in another episode. And I wanted to just highlight it again here because it was, again, one of my favorite books of the year, clearly. But it does tie into a lot of the same things Carolyn Mace was saying about how these things that happen to us can get stuck on our body but also how we view our body, how we see ourselves in the world, how that it affects how our body's working in the world. And I mentioned this a couple episodes ago, how I struggle with self-image and how all that plays a part. So I've got a lot of work to do in this area. At the end of each chapter, there's some things to consider, questions, and I really need to sit down. I think one of my goals for this next year is to sit down and really journal with some of those questions as my prompts to work through some of this stuff, get some of that stuff out of my mind and out of my body and see what happens for me. It is just something that I've always had because I think it was modeled for me. I mean, gosh, think about this. I grew up mostly in the 80s, late 70s, 80s. And the fat-free, the gym was just becoming a thing. Working out was becoming a thing. But back in the day, that was the Jane Fonda, aerobic tapes. Do you guys remember? Cindy Crawford having her VHS tapes. Those workouts were basically Pilates, I think, looking back on it. But I was obsessed with all of those, trying to stay physically fit. And body image was such a big deal back then. And it still is today, clearly. But I think it was a very negative thing growing up. And I had such a hard time. I'm only 5'4". If I gain five pounds, it makes a big impact on me. There's a lot of things about my self-image I struggle with, tons. Uh, We all have our issues, right? Some of us have curly hair. Some want to have straight hair. I'm short. Would have loved to have been tall. I'm 5'4". 
I wish I wouldn't have been in the tanning booth at 16 years old. And so I am dealing with the aftermath of all that now and hate the way my skin looks. So there's a lot of stuff I have to get rid of. And the more I I stew about it, I think about it, and I shame myself about it, it's impacting me. So I am going to work on that this next year to get rid of that shame. Stop judging myself. Good God. Enough. Be happy with who I am. I should be grateful that my body is working. I can walk. I can run. I can exercise. I have the means to eat well. I have a roof over my head. I have a a family that I love dearly. We're all very close. That kind of stuff. So um, I really want to have a different perspective about all that. And this book is, I think, going to help me do that. So I need to go back and read it again and use those prompts to help me really get some stuff out. Then the next book I have is called The Sober Diaries by Claire Pooley. And it is really interesting. It's an interesting read because it is her processing her journey into sobriety through journaling and diary prompts. And I think it's really refreshing because it's very honest. She's funny. She's from England, so she's got a different sense of humor a little bit. You can kind of almost tell through her writing. But she is witty, very honest. And I really enjoyed reading her journey into it. And if you want to get a really clear idea of what it feels like to go through the process of becoming a sober person, I think it's a great book. And then the next one would be Spare by Prince Harry. I wasn't really big into the whole royal family ever, but I find this piece fascinating because no one's ever done what he's done before and leave the family intentionally. I know people are torn about this a little bit because they wonder how much is true, how much do they bring this on for publicity, all that bullshit. I just think it's something that he wanted to share and he needed to share for the sake of his family and to clear the air. There's a lot of things about him I did not know. And I really, I thought it was a great read. I listened to this on audio. I did not read this one. I listened on audio. And he is a narrator of his own story. So it's really interesting to hear actually him telling his own story. Really good. I I really liked it. I liked hearing behind the scenes how he was processing it, who he was as a kid, the real story from him. Because, you know, you saw everything plastered across all the tabloids and media, and you never knew what was really true. And I really liked hearing it from his perspective and what was going on. I have not watched The Crown I don't know if that's on Prime or Netflix or what that's on. I think it's on Netflix. But now I'm a little more fascinated to go back and watch all that to see how it plays out from that perspective. Um, okay, that's my nonfiction for the year. On fiction. So this one is a series. I started it actually in 2022, but I have a couple of the books I read this year. So I want to highlight this series. It is called the Veronica Speedwell series by Deanna Rayburn. I'll have all this in the, the show notes. So don't worry about trying to figure out the spelling. But Veronica Speedwell is a very unique woman. It's set in the late 1800s, England, London mostly. And she is an orphan that has been taken in by her aunts at a young age and has grown up in a very unique way. And then her heritage comes to light in that first book 
that makes it super intriguing. I don't want to really get into it. Um, however, I don't want to spoil anything for anybody. She is very unique. She does not fall into the mold of what typical women were like in late 1800s London or England. So uh, really witty, strong, doesn't back down. She's, she's brave. She knows how to fight. She's canny. She is intelligent. There's just a lot here. And I think you'll find that she's definitely awake, well, and empowered. And I think it's a great series. I don't, I think there's like eight or nine books in the series. Really good. All really tastefully done. There is a male counterpart to her in the book series. So there's always this little tension that's going on, which is great. Witty banter. Love it all. So again, the Veronica Speedwell series by Deanna Rayburn. It's historical mystery. That's the genre I would put this under. Uh, another one in the same genre is the Julia Gray series by Deanna Rayburn. This is, I think there's maybe six books in this one. Uh, maybe even more, possibly. Julia Gray is a woman that has been suddenly widowed. And the gentleman that comes to investigate, like he's a private investigator, those two create a team, basically, that help solve her husband's unexplained death. And uh, I, I really like her intelligence, her, her character arc. She starts to realize how strong she really is, how intelligent she really is. At that time, again, how women were perceived and how they were put on a shelf and told not to do this and not do that. And she comes into her own. As a widow, you get a little bit more freedom because you have been married. And now as a widow, there are some things that are now more accessible to you. And she begins to go down the path of helping solve some crimes. And again, there's a male counterpart that has come into the series as a private investigator. And there's a lot of tension between the two of those as well. So a little crossover from the Veronica Speedwell series, different characters, but sort of the same uh, structure, I should say. I started this series in 2022 and the last one I just read, I think the beginning of this year. So really good. Highly recommend. Again, historical mystery. Uh, the next one I read that I really loved a lot was by Kristen Hanna. It's called The Four Winds. It is about the Dust Bowl time frame, the Great Depression, all of that. I really haven't read a lot of books about that time frame. And it's about a strong woman who has to go through this trial of a time, trying to feed her children and go through this really dark period of our history. And she ends up going to California to create a new life and that whole scenario as well. She goes from West Texas to California to try and find work and how people were treated. It just is insane. Uh, really interesting. Really interesting. It gave you a, it gives you a really good snapshot of what it was like in that time frame. She did her homework. She really presented a very realistic, I think, scenario of what a potential person would have been going through at that time. Really good. You're cheering for her the entire time. That's for sure. Again, the four winds by like W-I-N-D-S by Kristen Hanna. And you know Kristen Hanna, she wrote The Nightingale. She's got a lot of great books on, under her belt, but uh, The Four Winds is another historical. Do you see a pattern? I read other things too this year. 
I really loved the historical stuff, so I'm giving you my faves. Uh, the White Lady by Jacqueline Winspear. And Jacqueline Winspear has also written the Maisie Dobbs series, but this one is just a solo book called The White Lady. It is set post-World War II, but it flashes back to when she was younger and being part of the resistance in Belgium. Really interesting, fascinating to see what this young individual did and then how it plays out in her life later. It's a really good book. Very strong female. Can fight. Very intelligent. Willing to stand for people that have been wronged. The moral truth, things of that nature. And is self-sufficient in a time where many women are not looked at as being able to do that as a single woman. Just really, really good. If you notice, there's a theme here. All these women are strong women who are in control of their destinies and awake, well-empowered. So those are my top fiction ones. I don't want to go too crazy, um, but there's plenty there if you want to read about strong women in a book series. And if you like The White Lady, if you end up reading that, look up Erica Roebuck's books. Uh, she has a couple that are set in kind of World War time frame, women helping with the resistance against the Nazis, things like that. She's got some really good books. So I would check her out too. All right, going on to shows. Let's talk about some of my favorite shows this year. Let's start with the different places you can watch these shows. So let's go with Prime first. So we have a lot of streaming services. We got rid of cable, but I'm pretty sure we're paying just the same amount of money because we have Prime, we have Netflix, we've got Apple. Of course, we pay for ESPN Plus because all the sports we like to watch aren't always on the main ESPN channel. So we have the Plus. We can watch the other stuff that's streaming. I'm afraid to look. So the first one is on Prime. It is Miss Scarlet and the Duke. This is set in late 1800s London. And she is the daughter of a gentleman that was a private investigator. He passes away suddenly and now she is destitute. Not a lot of money left, obviously. And so she decides to pick up her dad's business. And she's plucky. She's witty. She's smart. She finds a way to get it done. She even finds some illegal ways to probably get some information. But in the end, she helps solve a crime and she's great at what she does. There is another male counterpart in here. Obviously, he's the Duke. And there's tension between the two of them. You're always rooting for the two of them to get together. It takes a while and I'm still not there, but it's always the potential is always right there. That's how they get you. Um, but this is a really good series. Three seasons so far are out right now. Season four, I believe, comes out in January, start of season four. So I don't, I don't remember for sure if this is one that I pay extra to get access to right away. So that could potentially be why I get these. So look into it. Maybe the PBS Passport. I think that may be why I get access to it on Prime but it's worth it. I love all my PBS shows, most of them. I, as a kid, we had one TV downstairs in the basement and I had the cable box. I made a tiny one in the kitchen eventually, I think when I was in high school, that sat on the dishwasher that did not work. We had a dishwasher in our tiny kitchen that was the one that was the movable one, hooked up to a hose to the sink and it stopped working. So it eventually became just a really expensive and really large TV stand but the channels you could get via the antenna. And then we had the big TV that we used to have, big tube TV. My mom and dad let me put it in my room and I could only get access like two, three channels. 
and the PBS channel is the one that came in the clearest. I'll never forget, I ended up watching the Magic Flute Opera one time. It was all in German. Didn't know a word they were singing. I was fascinated by it. Fascinated. And ever since then, I don't know, for whatever reason, PBS, those shows and the things I got to see on that channel really, I don't know, they, they, they created this feeling in me that I just felt this exposure to art and culture. I live in small town. I lived in Northeast Nebraska. I didn't go to musicals. I didn't go to operas. I didn't see those things. So I got to see them on my PBS channel, on my big ass TV in my room. So I think it helped me appreciate culture and appreciate music, acting, and the opera just was crazy to me. And so I just really appreciated what I was exposed to through PBS. And I've had a a really tender spot for it in my heart ever since. So getting back to the shows. The next show I loved is All Creatures Great and Small. This has another personal tie to my past. I was a tech assistant to a veterinarian as a kid. I turned 16 and wanted to get a job. And so I applied for a job at my local vet. And my job was to come in after school, feed all the pets that were boarding, and then take them out to go potty. So I'd go through all the kennels, feed them all their specific diets, whatever they had. I had a list of the specific things I had to give each pet, depending on what their owners had brought for them to to have. And then I would take them all out to go potty and clean all their kennels out, bring them back in. And uh, there was one dog that was always there. He was considered the donor dog. I don't know if you know this, but dogs don't have a blood type. So this dog was the blood donor of the whole hospital. And so he would always be there. That was his home. And he was just kind of a Marmaduke looking thing, but not quite all Great Dane. He was something else. And he loved me and I loved him. I did not have a dog growing up. And so when I was done with my shift helping out, I would always keep the kennel door open and I would just sit in this because it was huge kennel, it was monster kennel. There were all the ones that were up against a wall. Like they were three-sided, but then there was just the door that came out. He was always in there. And so I always left the door open. And I would just play with him and love on him. He was the biggest gentle giant. And uh, so I got my pet fixed by working there. The flip side, though, sucked was that I had to help the technician if he had to give an animal a shot. We had to put an animal down. I mean, for an animal lover, that sucked. I don't think I realized oh God, I've got to help out. I don't think I realized that'd be part of my job. And so, uh, yeah, the very first time, you guys, it's so funny. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get back to the show here in a second, but I'm going to tell you a quick story. When I went in, it's like my first week of the job, pretty sure, there was this tiny little chihuahua that had come in. He had broken his leg and they were taking the cast off. So I had to hold him down, like, you know, comfort him. I was being held and they were sawing through his cast. And back then it's a plaster cast. And the saw went in and it cut his little skin. Obviously there's saws now that I think they have a sensor. And this one went and cut his skin. So when he pulled open the the cast, you could see some blood in there. I am not good with blood. I wasn't at that time. I'm much better, but I'm still not that great. And uh, no, I'm not good. I'm not good. I'm not fooling anybody. I suck at it. If I see blood, I'm done. Forget about it. Uh, I had a biopsy recently and just the thought of what was happening got me lightheaded. So I'm not good with body fluids. Let's put it that way. 
So I saw this blood and all of a sudden they asked me, are you okay? I turned and I passed out in the room with the vet and the vet tech. I felt like the biggest idiot. They're probably like, why did you apply for this freaking job? If you're going to be in here, there's blood everywhere. It's a vet hospital. So I think they kept me mostly in the kennel area. So anything that had to do with blood, they tended to keep me away from it, thank God. So, anywho, I did enjoy my time. It was interesting. I just loved animals so much that I wanted to be around them. Funny thing is, is the animals I was around most of the time were elderly, you know, kind of on the end of their lifespan. And I didn't necessarily get to love on the ones I wanted to love on, but it is what it is. I have a whole new appreciation for what they go through. But anyway, my whole point is, this is why I appreciate and love the show. It's all creatures, great, small. It is set in uh, 1930s England. And it's a country vet and it has his brother that is trying to pass his exams to become another vet in the practice. And the little brother in this show is Tristan. And Tristan is, do you remember, I don't know if you ever watched the show called The Durrells in Corfu. It's a really weird name. It's D-U-R-R-E-L-L in Corfu. Corfu is C-O-R-F-U. That's another show that's PBS based on a real family back in the, gosh, maybe 1940s? I can't, 40s, I think. Anyway, point being is that Leslie from that show is Tristan in All Creatures Great Small. And I love him as an actor. He's kind of the same goofball, trying to always skate through, getting by, that kind of stuff. So he's in the show. And it's based on a, a series of books. And it's just this delightful life that you get to follow along in the countryside of England. And it's a dynamic that's interesting. It's a gentleman that's widowed. The housekeeper that's a live-in housekeeper, she is divorced. And there's a dynamic there. Another doctor comes in and it's from his perspective that this whole series is based on this. So he comes in as the apprentice and it's just really delightful. I just love the setting. I love the character development. It's witty. Uh, it's deep feeling. There's a lot of relationship stuff happening there. So it's a really good series. Highly recommend. I think we're on episode, or I think we're on season four now, I believe. Okay, moving on to Netflix. I loved Miss Americana. I know, Taylor Swift. I watched this earlier in the year. I didn't watch it because of Travis Kelsey. I really loved this because it told her story from her perspective. This young woman has gotten trolled for so freaking long. And she's very, very, very talented. Nothing has been given to her that she has not earned. And you see this in the documentary. You see how hard she's worked, how her process of writing these songs, the scrutiny she has had to go under. And then to see her, what she's doing now, she's Time's Person of the Year this year. And I know people like to troll her and say bad stuff about her because, I don't know, they feel like she is over the top that she's flighty, that she's fickle. I don't know what people are necessarily struggling with with her. Maybe that she's a successful young woman. You know, that's how the world is sometimes. Uh, but I really think it's worth watching to get a better understanding of who she is. Before we judge, 
let's do a little diving into who she is and then make a real assessment of what she's all about. I'm looking forward to watching the Eras Tour show. I don't know much about it. I think just the concert. I think it's just music. I don't think there's a whole lot of behind the scenes stuff. I could be completely wrong. I have no idea. But I'm looking forward to watching that as well. Okay, next. This one isn't necessarily odd life related as far as being a female in it, but it is helping us become more awake, well, and empowered. And that is Down to Earth with Zach Efron. It is a documentary series. Uh, they highlight specific things that are going on in the world that we need to pay attention to. There's some good things that are happening in the world and some things that are really destructive that maybe if we were more aware of them, we can do our part in trying to prevent more destruction from happening. I think it's a show that all of us should be watching because it helps understand more of how we can look at how we are living and do things better, different. That's good for all, good for the planet. This is really focused on becoming more aware of how we live right now, how destructive it is to our world. And it's not doom and gloom. It's educational. There's wit and there's banter and there's some fun stuff in there. But it's really, it's a show that will help you become more aware of what's going on in the world. That's for sure. People are doing some really cool stuff, the way they're farming, the way they're living, the things that are available in Europe versus here. It's just interesting to know. Highly recommend that one as well. Okay, moving on. Uh, my husband and I both love this one. It was called Shadow and Bone. There was a strong female lead. She has a male counterpart, of course. But she becomes the main powerhouse in this show. She is an orphan initially. Her and this, this male counterpart were orphans together and in their youth. She has these powers and strength that she does not know she's possessing. It's, it's almost revealed accidentally. It's, it looks like it's set in the past, but it's futuristic. It's magical. Um, it's, it's almost like if you mix historical with fantasy, if that makes sense. The, the cinematography, the effects are amazing. The story is well put together. It's uh, very intriguing where you want to go into the next one, see what's going to happen. And you love watching this character's development and see how strong she becomes, how she learns to use her voice and to find her power. Really, really good. Uh, the next one, of course, I'm going to tell, talk about this one, is Outlander. I read this book years ago in our book club and loved, loved, loved this book. I came across it kind of by accident, honestly. I had been looking for a different book and it wasn't available, but this one was. Now, we rented books from the library for our book club usually, at least in the very beginning we did. I'll tell this book club story in a second. But this had a lot of copies available. So we chose this one and loved it. Loved it, loved it. I'd say three out of the five of us loved it. Uh, but it kept me going. And then obviously when this came out as a series on TV, made my husband start watching it. He got into it and now he loves it. Uh, if you've never read the books, I highly recommend at some point going back and reading them. You will fall in love with the characters all over again. They are so well-written. And I will tell you, though, the series is very, 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 very close to how the books were written. That usually does not happen, especially with the book that is this large. Uh, all of the books have a lot, a lot of pages. And it may seem daunting, but it's very intelligently written. And the characters, how she weaves them together, how they come back. Let's say there's a character in book one, they might pop up again in book four. 
There's a lot of foreshadowing in her novels. And it makes you almost want to have to go back and read again to catch it because you may miss it the first time. So, so good. So my book club story real fast. Our book club got together because we were all neighbors. And we had gone to, I think it was a Royals game. And we had access to a box, like one of those club rooms in the very top. And we got to talking and we got talking about books and we realized we all loved to read. So we started a book club from that day on. And it was five of us neighbors. We all lived within like a few houses of each other. And eventually three of the five of us had moved out of the neighborhood. We still got together. How this all happened. It's the craziest thing. It was my turn to pick. So I had picked a book. And then it was my, of course, if I picked the book, I host at my house. And I could not find a time, could not find a time. We were gone for the, the next month. After I picked the book, we were gone for almost three weeks. So we couldn't read the book and then get together the next month because my schedule was wonky. And so it was hard because I, I would have told them to go ahead and meet without me, but I was the one that picked the books so I was hosting. And so then we decided, okay, whoever's the next turn to pick the book, you go ahead and pick, and then we'll just discuss both books the next month. And then another book never got chosen and we never met. And no one talked about it again. Like we all like ghosted each other. And I think for a while it was like, okay, we all got busy because by the time this happened, our little kids had all gotten bigger. Everyone bounced around to cheer and soccer practice and all these things we had going on. It was really hard to get together. And for a split second, I was like, are they meeting without me? Like, did I get kicked out of the club and not know it? And to this day, I have zero clue what happened. Nobody ever mentioned it again. Like we just dropped it. It's the most bizarre thing. And I'm almost afraid to bring it up. Like what if they are still meeting without me? And I'm the one that got kicked out and they're not telling me. Like how weird would that be? So that was the end of my book club. I've never been in a book club again. But Outlander reminded me of the story because this is one of my first books I picked for our book club. Not the first one, but one of the first ones. And uh, we freaking loved it. So anyway, Outlander series, highly recommend. The very first season is pretty tough, but it's important to watch because it, it lays the foundation of why the two main characters are so strong and why they have such a bond. We've been through a lot together, a lot. This next one was an all-time favorite for sure. It's called Call the Midwife. I have shared this in my social media before, but Call the Midwife is fantastic. It's a PBS show. It's BBC, PBS. Uh, it is set in East End London in the 1950s, and it travels through the 60s and 70s throughout the seasons. They drop like 10 seasons all at once. I went from never knowing about the show to having 10 seasons. I was like, oh my God, this has been going on for 10 years. I had no idea, or maybe five. Maybe they do like a fall and a spring season is considered two seasons. I don't know. But this has been one of the best shows that I've watched this year obsessed. The premise of this is that in England at this time, they had national health care. What happens is that people all have access to health care. And how East End London handles this is they don't have big hospitals. They have little clinics and they have trained midwives and trained nuns to help the East End. And the East End tends to be more blue collar, dock workers, factory workers, a lot of unemployed that kind of thing. And the series came from a memoir. And the memoir was then turned into the show and it kept going. And it has been fantastic. The nuns and midwives lived together at a place called Nanata's House, N-O-N-N-A-T-U-S House. 
It's a home that is right in the middle of the neighborhood and everybody has a shift. The midwives and nuns together work to help bring babies into the world, give them health care. And it is such a dynamic, amazing show. You get to see what happens from the, the viewpoint of the mother that's pregnant, get ready to have a baby. They talk about her whole family situation. Her living situation is part of the story. The nun or the midwife that's involved is part of the story. The conflict at home, the struggle the midwife is having with the situation. And then you get to see the midwives and the nuns live in their home together and how they mingle and how they they work together, interact in the struggles they have and the growing and the learning and the character arcs that are happening on all sides of the story are amazing. And I think I looked this up too, is they actually use newborn babies in the show. It's not a doll that comes out. They actually show a lot. And it looks like a day old baby, if that at the most. So I don't know how they did it, but they have lots of babies that are just brand spanking new as part of the birthing scenes. Crazy. But if you're a mama, this will tug at your heartstrings. And then you're also going to fall in love with the nurses, the nuns, the midwives. And they do cover a lot of tough subjects as well. They tackle what it was like to be pregnant in a time where abortion was illegal. They broach the topics of homosexuality, about alcoholism, about drug abuse. There's just a lot of stuff that those topics were still relevant back then. And it's just a really, really well put together series. I highly recommend. You're going to love all the characters. You're going to love the whole thing. And the hardest thing is when some characters do leave, you're like, oh, don't leave. I love you. I loved who you were in the storyline. I cry almost every episode. And it's a good cry. I mean, sure, there's some sad stuff too, but it's it's really heartfelt. Really, really good. Okay. Now moving on to Apple TV. I know not everyone has all these things, but if you're considering it or you have it, I highly recommend uh, The Morning Show. This isn't my typical watch based on the things I've already you know, shared with you, but I really enjoyed the, the morning show. It's with Jennifer Aniston, Reese Witherspoon, uh, Steve Carell was in the very beginning season. Really, really good. Again, well put together. Very, very tuned into the times. It handles sexual assault scandal and it, it covers COVID. There's a lot of things that are very relevant to what's going on in the world now that gets covered in the show. And I think it's kind of fascinating, like what's going on behind the scenes at news stations. I have a feeling this is very, very close to the, the real thing. But every episode, it's like a crisis. And so it's like, holy crap, now what's going to come up next? Uh, but it's really good. Juliana Margulies is in it. She's the, remember the doctor from ER years ago. She's been in other stuff since then, but that's what I remember her from the most. A uh, lot of great, great actors in this. So highly recommend that one as well. And I think the reason I like it is because there are women, like Reese and Jennifer's characters are the main characters for sure, but you see a lot of the misogyny in a workplace like this and how women are learning to use their voice and stand up for themselves and to not sit back anymore and just take it because they're afraid of they will not get another opportunity. There's just a lot of women that are coming into their own power in the show. It's still pretty messed up, but it's, I don't know. I really love the women in the show that are kind of badasses. And then the last one's totally goofy. It has nothing to do with odd life whatsoever, but 
It's on Apple. It's called Schmigadoon. It is goofy. Like I said, it is off the wall. The storyline is it's a, it's a husband and wife. They're both doctors, I think. And they've sort of grown apart. So they go on a camping trip to reconnect and they find themselves stumbling across a village that is stuck in a musical. Everyone sings. They have like theater outfits on, the whole deal. And it's funny, Kristen Chenoweth's in it. Cecily Strong's in it. She has SNL. And it's funny. Totally goofy. If you want to just laugh and take some tension off and not watch a lot of stressful stuff, Schmigadoon's pretty funny. You got to get past the first couple episodes. But once you get into it, there's a lot of adult humor, a lot of quirky wit. That is, I don't know, I find it refreshing. So something completely different. Those are the things I love this last year, the books and the shows that I enjoyed. The reason I'm sharing these now because I know when it gets darker and colder and we spend more time inside, that these are some things you could reach for if you're interested in staying awake, well, and empowered, but doing it through a different lens. I hope you have a great rest of your week. Uh, let me know if you've read any of these books. And if not these books, go to the post for this podcast on Instagram and share what you've loved this last year. I mean, your favorite books, favorite shows that maybe, whether or not they make you feel awake, well, and empowered, doesn't matter. Just share what you've loved this year and why. That would be awesome. Let us all know what you're loving. Have a great day, you guys, and we'll see you next week. Thank you again for being here. I am so grateful for your time. And if you liked what you heard, please head to where you listen to podcasts, rate and review. Please share on Instagram, your social media channels, wherever else you go so we can reach as many people as possible so they can meet these amazing women and hear these conversations. If you'd like to connect further, you can find me over at my website at halliesawyer.com or on Instagram. I'm usually going to be at uh, Hallie underscore Sawyer or The Odd Life, which is this podcast specific Instagram account. All right. Have a great day, everyone. We'll see you soon.